Good morning. How are you today? Happy Independence Day weekend. Everybody survive it? Well, of course you survived it. You wouldn't, if you didn't survive it, you wouldn't be here, right? That's kind of a dumb question. Hey, turn to somebody today and just say, you know, you look extra red, white, and blue today. Would you do that? Uh, if you've got a Bible this morning, open up to Mark 15. Mark chapter 15, I'll be turning there in just a minute. If you don't have the Bible, it's okay. We'll have verses on the screen. Uh, I just want to welcome everybody today. Thanks for joining us for worship in, in our first service at the bridge this morning. Uh, especially those of you who might be here for the very first time. If it's your first time here, God bless you. Thanks for joining us. There are a lot of great churches in the valley, and we're just honored that you're here worshiping with us today if you have any questions please out that first set of doors to your right there's an information center you can stop by there they can answer any questions you might have as a matter of fact if you stop by and just let them know you're here for the first time they'll give you a personal greeting and a warm welcome we're so glad that you're here today we've got a, a church website thebridgechurch.tv we've also got a church app you can download to stay in touch with what's going on here we are really glad you're here today. We put our hands together and welcome first-time guests. Thank you for joining us. And I might just say real quickly, if you've been here for a few weeks or a few months and you haven't really got connected yet, uh, on the first Sunday of every month, and this is a first Sunday, during second service, we have what we call Connecting Point. A couple of our pastors are in there. They're telling you all about the heart and the vision of the Bridge Church, telling you how you can get better connected, how you can not just know about the bridge, how you can be the bridge. So they'll be sharing that in second service if you'd like to join us today. If not, join us next month on the first Sunday of the month. We want to get you connected. Now, let's pray this morning. Father, we honor you today. We worship you. We thank you for your greatness in our lives. We thank you that your word works, your spirit is at work in us. And today we just open our hearts these next few minutes to honor you. And I pray, Father, that as we look into your word, that you would touch each one of us. Speak to us right where we are and help us to understand some things today that will allow us to move forward in you and live a full, blessed life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. One more thing I want to do before we get into the word. Uh, Today is Communion Sunday. At the end of the message today, we will be partaking of the Lord's Supper together. Uh, if you did not get the emblems of communion when you came through the door, you should have. But if you did not, if you just slip up your hand right now, the ushers will get those to you. Just hold them up high for just a second. Got a couple down here in the front, maybe one or two stragglers that we missed along the way. We don't want you to be without the emblems because we will be partaking of those at the end of the message today. Thank you, Usher, so much for taking care of that. Let me begin today and, and tell you that we're, we're doing some messages, really talking about things that matter. And today I want to talk a little bit about the cross, the cross upon which Jesus died. How many of you know the cross matters? It's a big deal. You know, for a lot of people, they think of the cross and they look backward. And i got to be honest with you, I live with the cross in my life every single day because that's where our life comes from. But today, I, I want to focus on one particular aspect of the cross. There are so many aspects of the cross. You can approach it from so many angles and never cover it all. 
But I want to focus today on one specific aspect of the cross. And I want to begin with some questions today. Have you ever been embarrassed by some choices you've made, some mistakes, some sin? You ever been embarrassed? Have you ever been ashamed of yourself? Have you ever wanted to hide from everyone who knows what you've done and what's happened to you? Have you ever been afraid of new relationships, fearing that someone might learn about your past and they might reject you? I've been there. I've been ashamed. I've been embarrassed at times. But today I want to point out an aspect of the cross that I think a lot of people never fully get in their hearts. And as a result, it hinders their walk with God and their progress in life. Look at Mark chapter 15. We're going to look at the cross for just a moment. One part of the cross. From Mark 15 beginning at verse 29. And follow along with me. Those who passed by. Now this is Jesus hanging on the cross. He's dying, okay? Those who passed by blasphemed him. They mocked him. They made fun of him. They laughed at him. He's hanging on a cross. He's dying. Now, I want you to do something with me today. I want you to try to put yourself in the crowd. Some of you have great imaginations. You can see this. Some of you, it's a little more work. But imagine you're there watching near the feet of Jesus as he's hanging on that cross, a thief hanging on each side, and they're bleeding to death. They are dying. Their bodies are beaten beyond recognition. Here's what it says. Those who passed by blasphemed him. They mocked him, made fun of him. They wagged their heads saying, Aha, you who destroy the temple and build it in three days. Save yourself and come down from the cross. Can't you see the mockery that goes on while Jesus' body is being broken? While his life is draining away, while he's hanging in a position where he's so vulnerable, exposed to the world. People laugh and mock and throw things in his face. Verse 31, likewise, the chief priests also, even the religious leaders, those who were responsible for putting him on the cross, mocking among themselves with the scribes, said he saved others, himself he cannot save. And finally, verse 32, let the Christ, the King of Israel, descend now from the cross that we may see and believe even those who were crucified with him reviled him. Now we know one of the thieves turned his heart to Jesus, but the other obviously did not. What a scene. You know, usually when we talk about the cross, we talk about the beating with, with the, the, the cat of nine tails. We talk about the crown of thorns and the purple robe and Jesus carrying the cross. We talk about the nails that went through his hands or his wrists and the nails through his feet. But I today want to focus on just a moment on the shame, the embarrassment. I mean, just to think that he's dying the worst kind of death possible you know crucifixion roman crucifixion was reserved for the worst of the worst 
the scum of humanity, the lowest people you could ever find, the ones who committed the worst crimes, crucifixion had been reserved for them. And here is Jesus, the Son of God, hanging on a cross, dying this shameful, disgraceful death. Can you imagine, I mean, think about it for a moment. Can you imagine not just the disciples, a couple of them around, but his own mother watching this, thinking, what did he ever do? But this is so embarrassing that my son is up there and they're mocking and laughing. Look at the condition. He's about to die and they're mocking him. This is so shameful, so disgraceful. This is embarrassing. You know, the Old Testament declared in Deuteronomy 21 that if anyone was put to death and they hung him on a tree, he had to be taken down before sundown because it was a curse to be hanged on a tree. And yet Jesus was hanged on a tree he was cursed and took on the worst, most humiliating death possible. Remember when I was a young man, just starting to try to get my ministry started, there was an old preacher in my home church who did some of the teaching. And he told a story. He was born probably 1910 to 1920, somewhere right in there, maybe 1915. He was up in years, he was semi-retired, and he was one of our pastors. He told this story, I'll, I'll always remember this. He said when he was a little boy, which would have put it back in the 19-teens, early 1920s, when he was a boy, his father took him and his brothers, they lived in New Mexico, took them to witness the execution of a man. It was the last hanging by rope in the state of New Mexico. And he said, my brothers and, were, and I were taken by our father. We went and we watched this scene. And it was horrific to watch them put a rope around this guy's neck and hang him until he died. But he said, what an impression it made on a young man. A little boy watching this. My brother's there. We watched this and it was horrifying. It was embarrassing. It was traumatic on so many levels. But my father wanted us to understand the punishment that came with the error of our ways. And he said, I've always lived with that. Well, he told me that story, and i got to be honest. Everything, every time I think about hanging, I think about that story. What it must have been like. But yet in Jesus' day, to be crucified was just as ugly and tormenting and horrific. But the interesting thing is Jesus could have escaped the cross. Remember in the garden when Peter cut off the soldier's ear, Jesus healed it and put it back in place. He turned to Peter and he said, if you live by the sword, you die by the sword. See, some of you thought Shakespeare wrote that. He didn't. Jesus said that. You live by the sword, you die by the sword. But then Jesus said, don't you know, I can call 12 legions of angels to deliver me from this moment if that's what I want. Jesus could have escaped the cross, and yet there he hung, not just in pain, but being shamed and disgraced. John 10 tells us that Jesus said, nobody takes my life from me. I lay it down. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it up again. The Father's given me that authority. Jesus chose to lay down his life. Romans 5, 8 says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Even when we were at our worst, Jesus still chose to die in that atmosphere under those circumstances. 
But I want you to turn to Hebrews 12 because I want to show you something interesting about the context of, of these verses. What about all this shame? How did Jesus deal with that? I mean, he's sinless. He's blameless. His mother's there weeping. Can you imagine hanging on that cross for the whole world to, to laugh at and to mock? How embarrassing, how shameful and disgraceful that moment must have been. How did Jesus deal with it? Hebrews 12, look at verse 2. It's in the middle of a statement. We'll come back to verse 1 later. Verse 2 says this. Look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, now notice these words, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. In essence, what it says is Jesus dealt with the moment by looking at what was awaiting on the other side. See, I could preach this verse of Scripture in a lot of different settings. I don't care what you're going through today. Follow Jesus' example. Don't get caught in the moment. Look at what's awaiting on the other side of this moment. Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, for what awaited him beyond the cross... He endured the cross. Now, there, there are three words in this verse I want to look at real quickly because it's really fundamentally important to this message. The first word is the word endured. And if you would, just leave that verse up on the screen for a couple minutes because I, I want to refer back to it. It says that Jesus endured, right in the middle of the second line, he endured the cross. Literally in the original writings, what it means is he stayed under the cross, and he remained under the cross. You see, he could have walked away from it. He could have spoken the words, and he would have had those 12 legions of angels lift that cross right off of him. He could have stepped down from that cross and stepped back to the Father. He had the ability to do all of that, but Jesus stayed under the cross and remained under the cross. Think about that. Think about that. He remained under the cross. Why did he endure the cross? How did he endure the cross? Why would he do that? Why would he endure that? Then the next word is the word despising. Despising. He endured the cross despising the shame. Now, I want to look at that word despising because the word despising in the original writings means to think against what's happening and to disesteem. In other words, to take the value off of what's going on, to think that something is nothing. Jesus despised the shame. Jesus looked at the shame and he said, that's nothing. He took the, the wind right out of the sails. He took the air out of the balloon. All of the shame, what was going on around him, all that people were doing and saying to him, he took the shame right out of it. He looked beyond it and he said, this is nothing. If I could say it this way, Jesus took the shame out of the shame. Even while they're walking around and mocking him, saying all these things, Jesus has the ability to say, Father, forgive them for they don't understand what they're doing. He took the sting out of that shame but then that last word shame the third word I want to look at it means of course shame but it means disgrace 
It was disgraceful for somebody to die that kind of death. But Jesus said, it's no disgrace to me. I'll die this death. What shame, what disgrace. That's what Jesus said. The shame, the disgrace of his crucifixion, all of that moment, Jesus said, this is nothing. How could he find no shame in being exposed to the world as a blasphemer and a liar and a religious nut? How could he get beyond that moment? Well, I think the key lies in Isaiah 53. And anytime I preach on the cross, I almost always come back to Isaiah 53. Isaiah saw the cross hundreds of years before it ever happened. In Isaiah 53, beginning at verse 4, it says this. Surely he's borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. Then you get down to verse 10 and it says this. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. How could Jesus stay under that cross? How could he endure all of that when he was sinless and blameless? Well, notice the words of these verses. He carried our griefs. He carried our sorrows. He carried our transgressions. He carried our iniquities. He carried the price for our peace. And he took stripes and carried them for our healing you see jesus handled the moment because he was not disgraced for his actions he was not carrying his shame he was carrying my shame he was carrying my shame he wasn't paying his price he was paying my price i mean all of that to think of it and verse 10 to tell us that it pleased God to do this to Jesus. Let me tell you, it pleased God the Father to put his son on the cross to suffer all of that so that you and I could enjoy the benefit of the cross. As they mocked him, as they laughed at him, as they put him to shame, as he hung there dying with the ability to walk off that cross as he hung there. He carried my sin and yours. He carried my shame and yours. He carried my embarrassment and yours. And yet he looked beyond it all for what would lay ahead. Jesus never considered the cross to be an embarrassment. Think about that. Jesus never considered the death of crucifixion to be an embarrassment. He never considered the cross to be shameful. He carried my shame. He carried your shame. But he never considered it to be a disgrace. He was never embarrassed. Not for his sake. But he wasn't embarrassed for our sake either. He gladly did it for us. Because he saw the end. You and me, forgiven, 
justified, free, living as members of the family of God. He did it for us. He carried it for us. He took the curse of our shame so that we could live free. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that on the cross, He became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God through Him. Galatians 3.13 quotes the Old Testament that I mentioned earlier. It's a shame, it's a curse for someone to be hanged on a tree. But Galatians 3 tells us Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. And now the blessing of Abraham comes upon us because of Jesus, and we have life in the Spirit of God. All because of Jesus. Can I tell you today, the Spirit of God living in us is evidence. It's evidence that the shame is gone. It's lifted off of us because Jesus has already taken all of our shame to the cross. And he left it there. What a thought. He took my shame, my embarrassment, disgraceful things that I've experienced in my life. He took it all to the cross. He paid for it. And he left it there. Amazing. You know, when I think about the cross, I I mentioned earlier, there are a lot of scenes of the cross. A lot of things to see, but let me just give you three or four things to think about real quickly. I'm, I'm, I'm wrapping up soon here because of communion today. It's interesting when When Pilate was dealing with Jesus and he couldn't find fault and he was trying to figure out how do I release this guy and make everybody happy because he was a politician. How many of you know politicians tend to be two-faced and just do what they need to do in the moment? All right, let me put it this way. How many of you know Republicans and Democrats and independents all lie when the moment works, okay? (laughs) Some of you think I'm picking on one party. I'm talking about politicians in general. Pilate looked at it and said, oh, the people are screaming for this. How do I release this innocent man and and please everybody? So he thought, here's what I'll do. I'll bring out this horrible man, Barabbas. He's a rebel. He's a murderer. He's a violent man. He's got a whole band of thieves. This guy's crazy. The people know what he is. And he says, okay, you want Barabbas or you want Jesus? I'm going to release a prisoner to you. That's our custom this time of year. Who do you want? And he thinks they're going to say, oh, no, let Jesus go. But what do they do? Incited by religious leaders, they begin to cheer. Give us Barabbas. Crucify Jesus. That in itself is a picture of why Jesus was going to the cross. So that the ugliest and the worst criminal of all could come to the cross and walk away guilt-free and shameless. Even a man like Barabbas would have an opportunity to come to the cross. Jesus went to the cross not just for goody good people. He went for the worst of the worst. And he went to take the shame off of our lives. You know, I I can picture that soldier at the cross. Starts out, you know, he's probably in charge and he's walking around telling everybody what to do, do this, do that, and crucifixion's taking place and he's watching thinking, man, this, this guy, man, this guy's crazy. I don't know what's with this guy. 
But throughout the day, and as, as a matter of fact, crucifixion was long. Jesus was on the cross somewhere between three and six hours. He might have been there six hours hanging on that cross before he died. But this Roman soldier is watching all of this. He's one of the guys that Jesus looks down and says, Father, forgive him. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's one of the guys, being a Roman, he probably didn't know God, had no relationship, no faith in God. But when Jesus bowed his head and said, it's finished, and the earth began to shake, darkness fell upon the earth, this Roman soldier looks up and says, surely this man was the son of God. He recognized he didn't have to suffer what he suffered. Think about Peter. You know, we use Peter a lot for his many failures. That's okay. And when the, when the pressure's on and they're taking Jesus away and they're taking him to trial, he's close by, but he's not at Jesus' side. He's kind of following at a distance. When the pressure's on, Peter begins to curse and swear and say, I don't even know him. And then when Jesus is crucified, Peter goes into hiding. Scripture says, he said, I'm going back to being a fisherman. I'm going back to the old life. This thing's over with. When Jesus is raised from the dead and appears to his, to his disciples, he says, get all the guys together and tell them I'm going to meet with them in Galilee. Oh, yeah, and, and don't forget Peter. Tell him too. That's the heart of the cross. That no one, regardless of whether it was Barabbas, whether it was the Roman soldier, whether it was Peter in his moments of failure, whoever it is, whatever our shame and disgrace is, though we want to turn around and run away, the cross says, come on home. The shame has already been paid for on the cross. You don't have to run from God. Think about Saul who became the apostle Paul. Fighting the church, putting Christians in prison, even being there holding the clothes while they stoned church leaders this guy has an encounter with god on the road to damascus and the grace of god blinds him and brings him to face the truth the rest of his life he said man i'm i'm the worst of the worst but yet god has received me by his grace how could paul go on and build the church fighting the church the way he did killing christians imprisoning them how could he switch sides and keep a straight face it's because he understood that jesus went to the cross to take his shame for his mistakes and then one more then there's me and you Have you ever been embarrassed by your own choices, your mistakes, your sins? Have you ever been walking with God and yet made a mistake? And it's like, well, th this is post the cross. I've already been to the cross. For me to do this now, this is the end. There's no place for me. You ever been there? Have you ever been ashamed of yourself? Have you ever wanted to hide an embarrassment from anyone and everyone who knows what you've done or what's happened to you? Are you carrying guilt today? Are you carrying shame? Are you embarrassed? I want to ask you a question. Why are you trying to carry a load that was already carried on the cross.
Why have you picked up something that Jesus carried and nailed to his cross? Why can't you just leave it at the cross? Why are you paying, trying to pay a debt that's already been paid for you? A few nights ago, Ann and I went to dinner with some friends, and we had set it up with them. We wanted to take them to dinner for a certain occasion, and we, they had agreed to go with us. We got it all set up, made the reservations, got there. Come to find out, they got there first, and they ran in and gave the maitre d' their card to pay for dinner. Well, I didn't know this. So Ann and I were going to treat them to dinner. When the check came, they said, oh, it, it, somebody's already taken care of it. Well, see, because I was treating them, when the, when the waitress came, I said, you guys want an appetizer? Yeah, I guess so. Okay. So we ordered an appetizer. Get whatever you want for dinner. We all ordered a nice meal. Afterwards, oh, on the special occasion, we got to have mud pie. You got to have dessert. Give us each a piece of mud pie. So I'm ordering all this stuff because I'm treating these people. Only to find out they've already given them their card and they're paying the bill on this. I was embarrassed. I, I really, I was embarrassed. I felt stupid. My friend smiled at me and said, we wanted to do this for you. How many of you like friends like that? I do. And yet some of us are sitting at the table trying to decide whether or not we're worthy to eat the meal and whether or not we deserve all that God's promised. And the truth of the matter is, all the things we're wrestling with have already been nailed to the cross. Jesus carried it there. He paid for it there. And he's asking us today, why are you carrying something that's already been carried away from you? What do you do? What do you do with, with, with the shame? Well, first of all, if you've been to the cross, Jesus has already paid the price. You're no longer guilty. He took the payment for your guilt. He took the punishment. He paid the price. Second of all, if he carried the shame, and if he wasn't ashamed of it, then there's no reason for you to be ashamed of it either. What do you do with the guilt and the shame and the embarrassment? You wrap it up and you lay it at the cross and you walk away and you leave it there. Nothing could be more pleasing to God than for you to accept what he's already paid for. You're free. But what are people going to think? doesn't matter what people think. If it matters, then those people don't matter in your life. doesn't matter what people think. doesn't matter. God will liberate you and set you free if you lay it at the cross and just walk away and leave it there. Last thought. When Jesus established what we call the Lord's Supper or communion and when Paul established it in the early church, Jesus said, you take this bread, it's my body broken for you. You take this cup, it's my blood shed for you. Listen to me today. Jesus didn't say, I'm shedding my blood for me, and I'm having my body broken for me. He said, I'm doing this for you, so you can enjoy the benefits of it. 
And Jesus said, do this from time to time, as often as you will, in remembrance of me. And then the last thing he said in there is, every time you do this, you remember my death until I come. You know, sometimes we as Christians need to be reminded, you made a mistake, ask God forgiveness. If you need to apologize to people and make some things right, do it. But don't live in guilt, don't live in shame, don't live in embarrassment. You can't pay for your sins. Only Jesus can do that, and he already did it. You can't fix the shame and the guilt, but Jesus has already fixed it. Lay it at the cross and walk away and leave it there. Live free. Just a few moments, we're going to partake of communion together. We're going to take the elements. But I want to ask that every head would be bowed for just a moment, every eye closed, nobody moving unless you absolutely have to. Maybe you're here today and maybe you've never accepted God's forgiveness. Maybe you've never come to a place of faith where you understood why Jesus died and what he wants to do for you. But today you've listened to this message and you realize, you know what? That's the kind of God that I need in my life. Not religion, not weird ideas, not a million rules, but a God who loves me who wants to be present and wipe away all my mistakes. Maybe you've heard this message today and you realize I need God in my life. Friend, let me tell you what, Jesus is the only way into eternity. He made it clear himself. He's the only way, the only truth, the only life. And he loves you so much he laid down his life to bring you into relationship with God. Now, The only question is today, what do you do with Jesus? You accept him and receive him or you reject him. But you're sitting here today and you're realizing, I need God in my life. I, I need forgiveness. I want the shame and disgrace lifted off of my life. How do I do this? You simply take what you believe, take what you've heard today, wrap your heart around it, and put your faith in Jesus. You do that with words, with prayer. You really accept God's invitation by inviting him into your life. I want to help you do that. I want to lead you into prayer. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I'm going to ask everybody in the house to pray this prayer with me. Say, God, I need you. I open my heart to you. Please come into my life. I believe Jesus died for me. I accept his payment for my sins. He carried my shame. I accept his payment for my shame. And I choose Jesus to become the Lord of my life. Father, I will learn your ways. I will follow you. You will be my God. You will be my father. And I'll be your child because of Jesus. Take away the disgrace. Take the shame off of my life. From this moment forward, I am a child of God. And I am saved eternally. In Jesus' name. While heads are still bowed and eyes are still closed, please, nobody, unless you absolutely have to, nobody moving, nobody looking around, 
This is between you and God. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. How many people in this place would say, I've had a hard time laying aside the shame, but today, the shame, the embarrassment, things that have happened, what's, what's happened in my life, I want to walk away and leave it here today in, in Jesus' name. Just raise your hand, put them right back down. I want to see it. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. It's paid for. It's rolled off. It's gone today. It's gone today. It's gone today. It's gone today. Father, right now, convince us of what your word says. We don't live under that shame. It's gone. We don't live under past sins and mistakes. It's gone. It's paid for. Jesus took all that shame and he said, this shame is nothing. I'm going to take the shame and disgrace out of the shame and disgrace for their sake. Father, we accept what Jesus has done for us. What's behind us, we leave at the cross. We lay it there. We walk away into a life of victory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm going to ask everybody to stand this morning. Just pick up those emblems of communion. Take that piece of bread. His body was broken. I always like to break that wafer in my hand. You do what you want to do with it. I want you to say this with me. His body was broken for me. That I could have the benefits of it. And I received those benefits Christ's name. Let's partake of broken body together. And Jesus said, this is my blood. It's shed for you to wash away your sins. Say this with me. I believe the blood of Jesus washes away my sins, brings forgiveness into my life. The guilt is gone. I'm now justified. And I am free. I am free of shame. I am free of embarrassment because of Jesus. He did this for me. Let's partake of the cup together. Now let's take a moment and give God praise. Just seal the moment with praise. Father, thank you. Thank you that my shame is gone, my guilt is gone. It's behind me. It's all on Jesus on the cross. It's not mine anymore. It's his. It's done. He went to the cross for me. I'm free in Jesus' name. Everybody here say that. I am free in Jesus. I am free in Jesus. Say it again. I am free in Jesus. Just keep saying it. I am free in Jesus. I'm free in Jesus. I am free in Jesus. The old is gone and the new has come. And I am free in Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We worship you today. We worship you today. Thank you, Father. And Father, now I come against that spirit that would try to keep shame and guilt upon us on every person in this room. We've been to the cross. Now I command the shame and the guilt and the embarrassment to go in Jesus' name. It's gone. 
It's gone in Jesus' name. It's blown away and it's left at the cross. I will leave this place free in Jesus' name. No longer under that cloud, I am free in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Now here's what I want you to do. The ushers are gonna bring little bags, little containers down for every aisle. If you would, just pass those containers down the aisle. Just drop the remains there in the bag and pass it on to the end of your aisle. If you would do that real quickly, before you're seated. <clears throat> Thank you so much. Let's take just one more minute because I need to help the ushers give them a break because they've got more work to do here in a minute. So how many appreciate the ushers today? Thank, thank you so much. I appreciate everybody who serves in God's house. I put these guys at the, and ladies at the front of the line. Once you've passed that container down your aisle, the ushers will pick it up. You can go ahead and be seated this morning. In just a few minutes, we're going to be worshiping God with our giving. The ushers are going to be preparing. But let me share this with you. Today, if you prayed that first prayer and you asked God to come into your life and wash away your sins and free you from the guilt, maybe you've never prayed that prayer before, or maybe you've just been the prodigal on the run, or maybe you just never learned how to leave the guilt at the cross. If you prayed that prayer today, that's not the end of the journey, it's just the beginning. We have a little booklet called The Next Seven Days. It's just a simple tool. It's our gift to you. I promise you, this will help you start building your relationship with God. At the conclusion of service today, there'll be some prayer teams here at the front of the building. They're here to pray with anyone for any need, but they've got those booklets. If you just walk forward and say, hey, can I get the booklet? They'll give it to you. There are no strings attached. If you just want to get it and go, that's fine. If you've got questions, they can answer questions. If you want prayer for something else going on in your life, they'll pray with you as well. But please, let us give this booklet to you today. No strings attached. We don't ask for anything from you. If you're in a really big rush, out in the lobby, right in the middle of the glass doors as you exit the building, there's a counter set up there. You can stop by there and get the same booklet there. If you're in a big rush, just say, can I get the booklet? They'll know what you want. They'll give it to you right there. Can we just welcome new believers into God's family today? God bless you. the most important decision you ever make in life and we want to help you follow through with that decision and start building your relationship with God and now it's time for us to worship God with our giving you know week by week we always take the time to say thank you thank you so much for your faithfulness in giving God's blessing the church we're moving forward we're accomplishing what God's called us to accomplish but I want to say thank you for your faithfulness you know when I preach a message like this and I think about all that Jesus has done for me in this life and what he's prepared for eternity. What he asks us to give in return is so little. I just want to say thank you for understanding the plan of God. Thank you for your faithfulness. We're sharing the gospel not just with people in this building and in our community, but literally we're taking the gospel around the world through various ministries. So God bless you as you give today. Let's watch church news together.
Good morning and welcome to The Bridge. My name is Adrian, and I want to give you a very special welcome today. We hope that you feel right at home this morning and that you and your family have a wonderful time with us. There's always a lot happening at The Bridge and we would love for you to be involved. So here's a look at a few things coming up in the days ahead. We hope you'll find your place and be a part of what God is doing here at The Bridge. Hey parents, Sunday, July 21st is Promotion Sunday when we ask for all kids to move up to the next grade. If you have a child entering into the sixth grade, we would love to meet with you. So mark your calendars for Sunday, July 21st. We'll meet up immediately following the first service in the Youth Center. We want to take the opportunity to connect with you and answer any questions you may have as your students are promoted into Bridge Youth. It's an honor and a privilege for us to serve your kids here at the Bridge, and we want to thank you for allowing us as pastors and leaders to invest into their lives. Day Camp starts tomorrow, and each day is jam-packed with excitement where kids will have a blast with a variety of activities. During this week, kids will discover through the messages, drama, and daily devotions that they too can do right in God's sight. Registration begins at 9 a.m., and you can still register your child at the door. Plus, we'll be having our grand finale next Sunday, July 14th, so parents, be sure to bring your kids with you for an amazing worship experience. We're looking forward to an awesome week. If you are new to The Bridge, we want to personally invite you to stop by the Info Center before you go today. Take a few minutes to come and say hi. Our team would love to meet you and help you get connected in church life. They can also answer any questions that you might have about the church. For more general info and to stay up to date, be sure to check out our website, thebridgechurch.tv. You can also stay plugged in by downloading the Bridge app. Just text the keywords, the Bridge Church app to 77977. Thanks again for spending your morning with us. We love spending Sundays with you. Hey, last thing today, a kid's day camp starts tomorrow. It's gonna be awesome. We've already got 660 something kids registered and there'll be some who'll be here tomorrow morning. If you're coming to register tomorrow morning, it starts at 9 o'clock, the registration does, I encourage you, be here 